Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nucleus Wealth in Power, where I, Shelley George, Head of Operations at Nucleus Wealth, go looking for what the good life is and how finance can support and empower us in achieving that. I'd like to start in the spirit of reconciliation by acknowledging the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the connections to the land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend those respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. I'm so excited about today's episode because it's the first time I finally get to make start making headway on the show's stated goal of looking for the good life. And in doing that, I'll be joined by Harry Goldberg and Tristan Schifo, Directors of Purpose Advisory. Harry has worked with clients in the finance industry for more than eight years. He's the husband of an exceptional woman, an incredibly proud father, his adorable one and a half year old little girl, and an empower of all who he engages with to grow and become greater versions of themselves. Welcome, Harry. Thanks, Billy. Tristan, meanwhile, is a financial advisor and life coach at Purpose Advisory. He's a husband to a dynamic and creative woman and a proud father of a gorgeous two-year-old girl. He's passionate about educating people and equipping them to make great life decisions and to help them become more clear on their identity and purpose in life so that they can experience more fulfillment and multiply truth, love, and beauty in the world. Welcome, Tristan. Thanks. Good to be here, Shelley. Thank you both so much for your time today. Um, I so much enjoy our conversations about these topics and I'm really excited about sharing it. Before we get into it, uh, though, I just uh, put out a quick reminder to uh, all the listeners. If you haven't already, subscribe and click the notification bell to be notified when we go live or have a new webinar to watch or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. And we also ask if you take a moment to click the like on the video uh, to help our show grow. Okay, so on to today's episode. So um, I want to look at, uh, I think it's the first phase in um, the approach that you take with clients in terms of working out uh, a financial advice strategy, and it's around life purpose and setting that. Um, so where do you think is the best place for us to start when approaching this topic? Oh, this is such a huge topic. I, I think with our emotions, because... Like, Shelly, I, I won't pry straight away unless you want to share, but I'm going to guess that most people listening to this podcast haven't done a genuine life planning session by themselves for a while, maybe for more than a year. And unless they're really avid personal development types and they have it as a habit um, or have someone in life that prompts them to do it, they might not never have done it. Um, and a lot of it is because of emotional reasons. Um, so maybe you know, we start with the emotions around planning our lives. That sounds great. So before we go to the emotions, let's talk about what a life plan is because um, it, it's a term that you would think it is so obvious what, what it is, but then when you think about it and you ask people um, what their definitions of it, I feel like there could be a lot of disparity around it. And you mentioned that um, people who do a lot of work on themselves, they might have life plans, but um, I also definitely know people who have done a lot of work on themselves and that hasn't necessarily involved so explicitly setting a life plan. So do you guys want to tell me what your definition of a life plan is? And then let's jump into the emotional aspect of that. Probably the easiest way to describe it is that there are two facets, really. There's the vision and there are the milestones. So the vision is really seeing where you want your future to be. How do you want your future to look? If you look 5, 10, 15, 20 years into the future, uh, when you're in a completely different circumstance to where you are right now, 
what will you really want your life to look like? Put the put the limitations aside, but just because money is no longer a barrier doesn't mean that you necessarily want the house on the water just because you can afford it in the fancy Maserati or Ferrari. Yeah. But if you look at if money wasn't a barrier, what do you really want in life? Uh, who's going to be in your life? What are your relationships like? What's your lifestyle? What are the things which you have and the people you have? What do you do for fun? What are your hobbies? What do you enjoy? What does your typical day look like? And so that, what brings you like fulfillment and satisfaction and keeps you getting out of bed? Does that sort of summarize it? Yeah, it, it is. But it's it's really limiting to uh, or it's a limited question to ask just what gets you out of bed or what would give what would lead to a fulfilled life for you? Because mm -hmm. the vast nine out of 10 people that you ask that question to are really going to struggle with the answer. So it's a hard question. It is no, such a hard question. I remember right. when I was working with you guys on it, I really struggled. Yeah. Mm. And, and so that's why you go through a vision exercise. Because if you look towards the future and you no longer have the challenges you have right now, like you've already got the career that you want. You've already got the relationship with your kids that you desire. Uh, you've already got your finances sorted or at least you're on track. And those things aren't problems. You'll have other challenges in the future. I, I guarantee it. But they're not the ones that you have today. So you can get outside of where you currently are to start looking towards what type of life do you really want to experience? And then when you see that, you can start working out what's actually most important. You understand what people prioritize in life, what they value, and you can work out then the answer to that original question, which you just said, of what brings you fulfillment, what wakes you up. Okay. But the other part to it is the milestones. I'll let, I think I'll let Tristan explain that one. Yeah, so the, the vision section, I think, is well coined by Stephen Covey, who passed away a few years ago. He's the Seven Habits of Other Effective People guy. Um, you know that book that everyone gets re recommended to read? And not everyone reads it, but one of his main themes and principles is to begin with the end in mind. And vision's all about that, is getting a clear picture of where are we headed? Because any of the stepping stones we want to take have to lead us towards that. Otherwise, where are we going? So once you've got some, some sense of a clear picture of where you want to be, um, it can be specific or it can be very general, but it's going to give you direction. And importantly, it's going to hook you. It's going to emotionally pull you towards something you really want because it's linked to desire, right? That's the most important part, really. Um, then you need to come up with some rough plan of how you get there. And this is where preference really comes into play. Um, some people love a fully methodical step-by-step, -step, one, two, three, up to 1,700 Um part of how to get to their long-term goal. And they're probably very specific with the targets of what they want to achieve in multiple areas of their life. Um, God bless those people. They, you know, they typically achieve a lot because they're willing to go to that degree. And the more, I guess, specific we want the goal, the more specific we, we tend to need to be with our milestone, you know, getting, breaking it down to weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever it happens to be. Um, for most people, it's not to that degree. It's more like, what are the big rocks in your life? If you've picked up a, a vision in your mind of, let's say, 10 years out, a lot of the time we, we work to a 10-year vision, but you can go the end of your life. You can go to three years from now. You know, it depends what the context is. But if you've got a 10-year vision, um, especially if you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, there's so many life decisions that are coming your way, you know, from um, career decisions and study to getting married, having kids, buying property, um, learning new skills, um, travel, relocating, all these sorts of things will be counted as milestones. And in and of themselves, they're little goals, the things that you want to achieve and accomplish, but largely they're vehicles that enable you to get to where you want to be. And so the milestone section of the plan 
um, it's really nice because it's getting a bit more detailed on specifically what you like. And then that difficult question of where do we place it? You know, you, you might not be able to pin it to exact date. That's a bit over the top, but let's say your first home purchase, you want it, you really want it, but what's the earliest it's realistic to buy that property? Probably not going to happen for at least six months. And that, even that might be a stretch, but let's say six months is the earliest. When would be too late? You know, when would you have failed in your desire to accomplish a home ownership? Maybe three years. So six months to three years, that's your kind of time horizon for that one milestone. And then you want to specify some of the details that sit below it. Um, and it's always worth going to at least some level of detail. So we'll typically help someone identify what are, what are the finances required to get that. Typically, the, for example, the deposit and additional costs, things like that. Um, and then also how important is it to them in terms of prioritization? Because you can't do all those milestones. Some of them you're going to have to delegate till later or just drop off. Um, and also how uh, motivated are you to work towards them? Some, sometimes we have milestones that are really important for the longer term vision. We know we need to do that masters. It, just, it needs to happen. There's no other way we're going to get to that career that we want. But we've got no desire to do it. I don't want to go back to study. I feel all this you know, limitation or, or just barriers. Um, and so you've got to be honest. And my level of motiv motivation for that milestone is really low right now. Um, and that's great because then that gives rise to more micro goals. Okay, I've got to work on my motivation. Before I even try and tackle the masters, I've got to shift my mindset around it. So milestones is, is I guess, a broad category which ranges right from the you know, being big stepping stones right down to the meticulous goals. So it's got a lot of layers in it by the sounds of it. Oh, definitely. And it's very much choose your own adventure. Um, like we, we are mindful that a lot of people have resistance to doing the life planning process and we want to make it as enjoyable for people as possible. But to be honest, I love it. I really love doing it myself and I love the privilege of taking people through it. So we want to make sure they love it. Um, and know that it was a positive experience and they're looking forward to the next time you do it. Because it, a point we probably didn't clarify is it's not a one-time thing. You don't make this plan and then shelve it. This is a living, breathing organism that you're constantly iterating. And ideally, you know, with these milestones, you're checking them off and building out sub-goals um, and then checking in and going, okay, we're still on track. Do we need to change our timeframes or change the goals altogether? Every now and then, you also need to really re-question, is my vision still the same? Have I changed as a person? Is, is my bigger picture uh, vision still what it was? Yeah. To, to put that to put that in context, with probably I'd say the vast majority of our clients, uh, uh, they want to do the life planning process. Uh, obviously, that we obviously we've encouraged them down that path because we know the value in it, and they don't know the value yet, but they trust us with that. Uh, but probably maybe even fifty or sixty percent are, are kind of apprehensive about it. They've got pre-work before going into it, and it's the first time they're doing something like this, and they're going to be doing it with their a lot of time with their spouse as well. Not always, because we have single clients too. But if they're if they're married, especially, and they're doing it with their spouse, and it's it's a in many ways a scary process. But I'm yet to find. I think Tristan's the same with this. I, I'm yet to find a single client who's gone through this life planning process and hasn't come out on the other side saying that was a really valuable use of time. Thank you. Yet to find a single one. Yeah, no, I agree. For sure. So you said most of your clients are pretty on board with doing the, the life planning, but um, or they trust you. So what would you say to someone who is resistant? Like, well, two questions here. What would you say and why are they resistant? Mm. Yeah, they're different questions. A lot of the people that come to us have already passed a lot of, checkpoints you know that they're willing to speak to a 
financial advisor slash life coach. So they're motivated to take action. You know, it's pretty scary to do that, especially for a younger person. A lot of reasons they might be intimidated with it or think that it's not relevant for them just yet or, or whatever, just ignore it. Um, but I think the vast majority of people are not, don't feel ready to speak to someone like us and might try it themselves once or twice, but, you know, feel those limitations you're referring to. So what do I see as the common resistance points for people? Um, there's a lot. So I think fear of failure is ultimately the main concern. Um, we don't always think about the failure itself, but when we reflect on our lives, we think about our attempted relationships or marriages, um, our attempted you know, requests for career prospects, businesses we've started, um, or just simple tests that we failed and things we've messed up. And um, we typically build this sort of reservoir of, of concern, anxiety, and fear towards taking big risky steps. You know, life has taught us not to touch the frying pan a second time. And um, subconsciously, that's a huge barrier, a resistance to trying to shoot for the moon, as they say. Um, and so anything related to shooting for the moon or planning for something greater is um, it's a threat, really, on the, on the subconscious level, on that sort of animalistic amygdala level. Um, because I think if you were to ask the question, what is life planning from a metaphysical point of view rather than the practical, ultimately, it's becoming more aware of the ideal we're pursuing, because every human has an ideal within themselves. Um, Jung referred to it as the self. Um, you know, within religions, it tends to be sort so of embodied Jung? in person. Uh, Carl Jung, yeah, sorry, the really old, very bright uh, psychologist from the 20th century, um, genius of a guy. Uh, so yeah, his, his concept of the self was kind of this, um, this pinnacle, this, this peak of the hill that we're all wanting to be and wanting to experience. Now, just because we want it, it doesn't mean that we pursue it or that we get there. In fact, most people don't get there and a lot of people don't even pursue it for various reasons. But we have a natural pull to want to do great and to be better people. And we're not normally aware of exactly what that picture is, what that image is. It's heavily influenced by our childhood, by our parental influences, by our decisions, our beliefs, our personality, you know, by this myriad of things. And until we've started to really pass it out and categorize stuff and see things more clearly and then start you know clarifying it and reorganizing it ourselves um, we don't have much influence or control we're probably like pawns in the matrix i think that's a very fair analogy and so what life planning in, in that metaphysical sense is doing is it's taking an attention intentional lens to aligning our life and our decisions to our ideals to what we really want our, our future to be um, and so <clears throat> anytime that we're wanting to engage in that process, there's always this risk that we fail, just getting back to the fear of failure. Mm. Um, and so um, if I could jump in there and ask a question, uh, it sounds like what you're saying, your, your uh, I guess, beliefs around this process are that the fa if, if Jung is correct, um, the real failure is that we don't get to achieve uh our sense of self or we don't get to, we don't get to be who we, believe we are or want to be um because that's what like all of this work is doing is trying to actualize this sense of self that you probably created when you were very young um we know how important identity and egos are are to to people um no matter what you believe about um you know which stream of psychology you, you believe or don't believe in uh, i think it could be said that it, a person's sense of themselves is very important to their life um 
And so I guess what I'm hearing is that this fear of failure is about not achieving that. Is that, am I, um, I guess, on the right track or maybe off the, off the... It, it's it, it's kind of sad it's it's a paradox that we have this deep-seated desire that you can't kill like once someone loses that desire to pursue their higher self they literally commit suicide it's it's very synonymous with people that end their life is that they lose that hope for something greater not just in the greatest sense of the world but in themselves and so when so, you say like literal that, um, committing suicide that's more a sense of the meta self uh, like the, the soul or the spirit or oh, I'm talking about people that end their lives. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. They, they can't, they, either they have no hope or they believe there is nothing greater to pursue, but it's okay. always linked to this idea of the, this natural human desire to, to grow and to become greater mm-hmm. um, has been suppressed or stifled or put out to such a degree that it, it, they've lost that drive. Typically every human has this drive and as a parent, this is what we want to instill in our children this incredible like curiosity and desire yeah. to be greater and to see something and to want to be it and and it's so natural and beautiful and innocent in a child because it's unfettered by the fear of failure um and so to, to your question it's, it's such a sad thing that our our fear of failing in our endeavors often stops us from actually um self-realizing you know mm-hmm. becoming what we could be um, but that's exactly the equation it's very irrational yeah <laughs> that's who we are irrational people and to a... oh sorry go ahead harry yeah, on on a more perhaps practical on the like the practical flip point of it, or the perhaps more rational side, is a lot of people. Uh, it's not necessarily just because they fear that they can't achieve it, but it's because they don't believe it's actually possible. Like they they don't believe there's any point in planning because hey, COVID can happen and you can lose your job, you can be made redundant, everything goes out the window, uh, or. Uh, there could be a big accident and then a whole bunch of medical costs and all of our savings are gone. What was the, like, what's the point in doing any of this? It's just going to disappear either way. So or that, okay. so, someone I know died and they did all this, like they were so focused on planning and, and sorting out their entire life. And it was, they were planning for something in 20 years and they didn't even get two years towards it. Yeah. Oh. For me, that brings up two really good points, which is I was just about to ask, um, how does the fear of failure manifest itself? Because I, I think when um, you say to someone fear, they're looking for... Um, deer in a headlights or something. Yeah, tangible, exactly. Right? But yeah. I guess my experience has been um, you can be afraid of something and, and not even realise that you're afraid of it and you have all oh, of yeah. these like knee-jerk reactions that when you dig a little bit deeper under it, you realise it's a fear of something. And so I guess... Anyone who's listening who might be thinking, that's not me, but I still don't want to get a life plan. Do you have any examples of how you've seen this fear of failure manifest itself that maybe could prompt some internal or some introversion around around their situation? Yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pick on I'll pick on myself actually for this one. Um, there's and exactly as, as how you're describing it. We think that we're empowered and we think that we're powerful and we're doing all the right things. Uh, and we don't realize how much fear is actually driving it. Uh, if I think back to when I was an early financial advisor uh, and I was in client meetings, I, I had this, this fear of being out of control. I had this fear of not being able to steer the conversation the right way, of not being able to have confidence or know that the clients are going to get value or sign up or that it's just going to be a waste of time or that means that I've failed. And I had this fear of losing control. Now, I didn't know that that was a fear. 
I thought, no, I'm in control and I'm powerful and, and look at me and look how amazing I am. But when I, when I dug deeper in my personal development journey, I realized how much of a, uh, how much of an insecurity was actually driving that need for control. And only through uncovering that and exploring and then recognizing that sphere was I able to realize that that was driving the conversations which I was having. That was actually limiting the amount of connection I could have with clients. It was limiting the amount of impact, all the things which I thought that I was already so powerful and so easily able mm -hmm. to do. And you can have people who are on the complete flip side. You can have people who are... Um, who really just need to stick to the plan. And they're like, no, I don't fear anything because I've got a really clear plan with everything which I'm doing. I've got everything lined up. And when you dig a little bit deeper and you explore why you have every single thing lined up in a row, well, it's because of a fear of what happens if some sort of chaos comes at me. What happens if something comes out of the blue and I, I don't even see it coming? And there are people on the flip side of that who are all excited to uh, keep doing things all the time. No, 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 you've got to live life and you've got to enjoy it and YOLO and all this, all this kind of mentality. And they think that they don't have any fear because they're just loving life and they're just focused on doing that. That's and such you... a good point. And you're coming to exactly what I wanted to say, which is it's about a balance between the present and the future. And it's not yeah. about just one or the other, the life planning. Like that was really my sense of it because sometimes I think about if your plan, if your goal is a, you know, a big yacht and a fancy house or five fancy houses, then you feel like you have to give up the now for that. But it ends up being this kind of intertemporal conversation about you know, and you get to actually what is really important to you as a result of that. There's a yep. beautiful, a beautiful quote. I think it was Zig Ziglar uh, who said the arrow that can't see its target is sure to miss every time. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is that if you're an arrow and you don't have somewhere which you're aiming towards, you don't have a direction which you're taking, you're not going to move forward. Or if you do move forward, you're going to land somewhere you, you really don't expect and somewhere which you definitely didn't intend to land. So at least by having a direction, you can choose a place that you want to go. Mm -hmm. If you never choose that direction, or if you choose a direction and then you decide that you want to change your mind later on, great. You've still been moving forward. Yeah, It's still empowering you. It's much better than the opposite of just never having that, that goal in the first place. Shelly, I felt that the, the question you asked about, like, how do we identify fear? Um, is such a good one and a hard one to answer because I think what it points to is that to do the life planning process, you actually have to be really good at self-awareness yeah. um, and sort of personal development type stuff because uh, most of us don't know that we're afraid at the time unless we're literally quivering or we, we go into fight or flight. An example of what I see as fear is I'll ask a client to describe for me their dream home 10 years from now and this isn't like the ideal you know 100 million dollar question it's like what do you want the home that you're most likely going to buy the one that you're actually aiming for you know once we've gone through a lot of the process and we've gotten a bit clear on the direction the vision and mission and we're now actually building a, a visual picture of the future that we want um, and they have been engaging the process and they've been sharing really good answers up until this point but then they flinch and they kind of say oh look i don't know exactly what it's going to look like just now of course like no one knows what it's going to look like now, that's not the point of the question. The point of the question is to have a crack. Let your incredible like movie scripts in your mind play this thing for you. Like let it roll. See what what happens. 
roll the dice and see what shows and talk it out. Because when people start talking whatever they're seeing, the movie keeps playing and they see things they normally hadn't seen before. Sometimes it's bringing in a few things that you picked up on realestate.com and domain and, you know, that Instagram feed you, you, you pull out. But then as you're watching it, you start processing a little bit and you question, oh, does that work? No, maybe I want this as well. And you start adjusting it and shifting it. And this thing literally evolves in your mind as you go. And if you don't, um, let's say, trust in the process, jump out of the boat and just start exploring it because you're afraid of getting it wrong. Some people just don't want to say something and be wrong. Um, or other people don't want to say something and then be stuck to it because what if the picture I come up with isn't actually what I want? Well, that's not the point of this exercise either. You're ideally going to do this same exercise every year. And but get I feel more like clear that's a manifestation of the fear. It's a using an excuse to put it off. Do, do you know right. what I mean? And that's it. It's identifying those excuses, which, mm -hmm. you know, masquerade as confidence and, and you know, soundness yeah. or whatever, but they're not. They're just fear, fear motives. Hmm. This is the exact reason why a lot of people struggle to do this without a coach. It's one of those things in life which are really simple, but not easy. Simple doesn't always yeah. mean easy. I was going to say that. I mean, because when, when you're talking about working through things that are, are scary or cause fear in you, um, it's so important to have a safe space and to have someone you know that you can trust to, to help work through that with you. Um, it, so, you know, like this in, this in any other ways, it, it just seems to me like you get so much more out of doing it with a, with a coach or, or a planner. Yeah, look, it, it can be done really well with someone that you know and love. Um, some of the more fun versions of them are when you can really dive in someone you're building something with so harry and i are business partners and when we do vision um it's fun because as much as we love our work and we put a lot of energy in it's not the deepest part of our lives um, there are deeper desires we have than our work typically our family right and personal development and so when we're playing in the business arena besides the limitations of financial realities and sustainability we can kind of do whatever we want um, and it's a very narrow and scoped field. And so we can enjoy that and we trust each other. We, we're really good friends. We have been for a number of years and we really built our trust between each other. So that's a, you know, talk about safe space. It's a beautiful safe space. Um, a coach is helpful, but we can, we can do a lot of really successful life planning between ourselves and relationships that have fostered that beautiful level of trust um, have a better chance at this. However, when we're talking about our personal desires and our family goals and plan, it just, it gets deep quick. And our deepest insecurities come to the surface. And I, I think that's the time where having a coach is most useful. You know, it's much easier to project plan a $10 billion work project than it is to plan your personal life, right? Oh, why is that? Is that because the $10 billion work project doesn't have as much emotions? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you can start doing some of this work with in a, a space that you feel comfortable and trusted in um, yeah. without having a coach. So can, I believe in that. Yeah. can you talk about like what are a few ideas you would have to get people like starting to do the work on this? Yeah. So ideally you want a framework, um, having a really well-designed framework facilitates the whole process. We've, We've sculpted our procedure of how we take people through the process with heaps of iteration. You know, every time we get an experience, we ask people how they found it. Um, we, I guess, intuitively read what worked, what didn't work, and we shift things all the time. I spend hours every week tweaking our questions and our templates. 
Um, so you want to leverage someone that's done that. Um, and if you're not going to work through a coach like us, then you want to use probably some tech, some software, um, or at the very least, a simple you know PDF performer. There's a lot of life coaches and personalities out there who give you a few questions to ask. Um, there's also some really good books um, that will, like workbooks, you know, physical ones that you can literally write in. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter which ones you pick. I've got a lot of beliefs of which ones work best and what processes work best. But if you have a framework, it's going to make a difference. Um, so I can if I went to really Google, cool ones. oh, yeah. Yeah. You can send us some links. Like, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'll, I'll send you some links and put some in the show notes. Excellent. Um, there's a few apps that you can download straight away. A lot of them are free. There's a few online courses where you can just start writing and answering questions. And there's a bunch of books that are definitely worth having to go at. Okay, fantastic. The other, the other approach outside of that would be uh, without going one-on-one -on -one with a coach. There, there are a whole bunch of really awesome seminars out there. Okay. Uh, and whether that be, there, there, are ex, there are extremes with, with them, right? Uh, so whether that be uh, like a Tony Robbins kind of get your, get your energy up and, and let's get into the right emotional state and start envisioning our future uh, and dream the life that we want. Awesome option for people who are so inclined. Uh, or there are ones which are like landmark, and that's more focused on just being in a supportive space and just being able to work through things. Um, but there are plenty of other seminars and plenty of coaches, and Australia doesn't have its shortage in that regard. That's so right. And, and probably an important point to note there is that there's sort of two different rabbit holes you can go down. Um, one is the life plan process that we're talking about, and then the other is the personal development journey. Um, and they're brother and sister. They're supposed to be hand in hand. Like as soon as you start on one, like you're doing just the life planning process, you start noticing all these limitations and issues and insecurities. Like, oh, I probably need to work on them in order to achieve my goals. So then you start diving into the personal development plan. And similarly, once you start doing the personal development plan, it becomes very apparent, like, where am I going? What do I want? Um, so that they are hand in hand. But if, if you're wanting to do this specific process, just make sure what you're getting is the life planning part. Because sometimes you find yourself in this, two-day seminar which is all about like your personal development which is great it's, it's actually probably the best thing you could do but just so that you know what you're getting into they are two different rabbit holes okay that's helpful and also sound like from what you were just saying harry that um there's different flavors for you know different types of people so if you go to one and find that's not for you don't necessarily give up straight away. Be please, kind of open to finding finding the right one for you. Is that right? Yeah. And you can try going to a seminar. Some people like to be playful and interact with other people. You can go to, like what Tristan's saying, go to a book or an app or a framework or workbook, whatever it is, um, okay. and then try and work through that. Uh, there are some people I know who just have, uh, like there's this process, I think it's called the elephants or something. I'll, I'll find it and send it to you as well. Um, and you end up just pairing up with or budding up with three others. So a group of four. And then you all just really keep each other accountable. And you completely open up and you completely share. And you just, it's, it's a beautiful process when it's done right. And when you can rely on each other. And I know a few people who have done processes like that. And that works for them. Uh, and there are other people who either just don't have the time or they don't have the faith in themselves or the confidence that they can do it. Uh, or they have so much confidence in themselves that they want to make sure that someone's actually there to, to kind of keep them on track and keep them honest. Yeah. To keep, keep them to yes. it. Right. Uh, or they, there, a lot of people can tend to be really distracted by nice, new, shiny things. And that means that when they start on something, they're unlikely to finish it. And so then they need accountability. 
Okay. In a, if you're doing a book or doing a workbook, something like that, or um, like an app, then and you're you're basically needing to keep yourself accountable. And you might get 50 or 60 percent of the way through it and be like, "Yeah, cool. This has been fun. I need something new." And you go okay. off and do something else. Okay. Um, or and that's okay. Yeah, that's good. That's it, good to know that. Yeah, and and then in which case you gotta you gotta go a step up, uh, or you gotta find what's gonna work for you. Even at the seminar. Uh, I've seen so many people start seminars and then they just leave after the first day or two. And they, cause you know, in a seminar where you've got hundreds or thousands of people, you just slip out the back and no one sees you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when you're with a coach one-on-one and it's tailored directly to you, not only will it be most time efficient, uh, but it'll, you'll also most likely get the best results. Yeah. it's. But that doesn't mean you can't get the results without a coach. Okay. Uh, it just means you've got to know what works for you. Okay. And this time efficiency point is important. Like, I don't know, Shelley, what, how long would you guess it would take to go through the life planning process? I'm curious. Um, so I know when I did it with you guys, it took me solid hours. But if I set that aside, I mean, for me, it would be like a, a week's or month sort of thing. Like, like you guys mm. were saying earlier on, it's a a constantly iterating kind of ongoing conversation. So, um, you know, I think it helps to have some questions to kind of prompt that. And then, and then, and I think like for me, it would be, yeah, have some questions and then have a a bit of a framework you can come back to when you feel like you're getting lost. Um, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I I think for me, it would be a long time. It would take a while. Yeah. And that's mostly what people say as well. Like they, they know it's, not just daunting, but it will take ages. And those that want to do it right have multiple sit downs, um, sometimes just to find the right resources and then to start on them and then to come back to them. And because they're not fully clear where it's ending up as well, it's slightly more of a reluctance to push through. Sure. Um, but I would say that it takes about two to 10 hours to do well. Okay. Um, the, the setup process, if you're doing it for the first time or you're in a new life stage and you haven't done it for a few years, so it's kind of like starting from scratch. Um, yeah, two to 10 hours is the time range. And with a coach, you can probably get it down to that two to three hours. Um, you can obviously go more or mm. all the more value if you go deeper. But if you're going to do it by yourself, it just takes a little bit longer most of the time. Okay. But to give you an idea of, of our process with clients, it started out as just a one, two hour session for vision and planning. And we always went well over time and then doing extra follow-ups with clients and we realized that wasn't that wasn't enough time to actually do it justice. Okay. Uh, we've now got a separate life vision, which goes for almost two hours, and then a life planning session, which goes for almost two hours, and then a check-in a week or two later, uh, which goes for 45 minutes. And the clients have got pre-work and post-work with, with all of those. But that said, we do have clients, uh, especially those who have done something like life planning and life envisioning before, yeah. No, where it only takes a one, one, two-hour session just to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably uh, definitely one of those people that doesn't think about it a lot, so I'd be definitely on the slower side, not the faster side, for those out yeah. there wondering. Um, but, guys, I think we're out of time, unfortunately, so I'm going to have to wrap it up there, but uh, I hope we can have you back soon because I know you have um, some other modules to talk about. For example, uh, what your investment style is and what that means for how you should be thinking about investing. So uh, I hope we can track you down soon for that. Yeah, we're looking forward to having more chats. I, 
just like one last thought, if I can just pop yeah. in um, on a practical note, um, we'll make sure we send like a good thorough list of different tools um, that people can use. And I'll like specify what type of personality or what attraction each tool would have for those out there. Um, the main thing is finding something that is going to be fun. You know, we do this uh, activity for couples um, to orchestrate a more intentional conversation about how life is going. We call it happy hour. And it's a hard thing for a couple to make time to do this intentional conversation, very similar to life planning. It's like this intentional kind of like deep dive into themselves. Um, the only way that it works and becomes a fixture or a mainstay is when you make it a really fun hour. So, you know, for a couple, you pick an hour in the week where it's reliably open, no kids, but bothering. You can sit down in a beautiful spot with a glass of something you enjoy and maybe even something to bite that you really love. Um, the right kind of feel music, you know, make it something you can look forward to. And I believe the same for your life planning process. That means you book a really lovely Airbnb um, in the location you always wanted to go, but slightly out of your budget. You know, this is probably the time to do it. Reward yourself, but dive deep when you're there and do a bit of a clue. Some people, I know a good friend who goes to the bush literally seven or eight days every year. Um, he just goes out to the desert by himself with like some water and a backpack and that's it. And that's the, the respite that he wants to go. Um, and to his credit, he's found what works for him. So you've got to find what you want to enjoy and create that experience. So that's sorry, that environment. The space. Um, yes. Um, yeah, the physical space. Make sure it's a great physical space. Uh, and then the do physical it. physical space for the Ask emotional me. space to do the work. Yeah, that's right. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Uh, so, guys, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat for you, as I said at the start, and I love talking about topics like this. So thanks um, for sharing it with the listeners. Uh, do you want to quickly tell them how they can get in touch with you or follow your work? Yeah, just uh, jump on to www.purposeadvisory.com.au or connect with myself and Tristan on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where we're most active. Um, that's where you're able to see what we're about, see what we do. And if you want to just have a chat and just see if what, what we're doing is right, or if you just have any extra questions from this podcast, we're, we're happy to give you, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, just book in an intro call. But no, no obligation from it. We're just happy to have a chat and support you through the process. That's great. Thank you. Uh, and before I say goodbye for today, if you have any feedback for me about this episode or any future podcast topic ideas, uh, if you can let me know in the YouTube comment section or send me an email at contact at nucleuswealth.com, that would be great. Uh, to stay up to date with news from Nucleus Wealth, follow us on social media or subscribe to um, the newsletters from our homepage. And also, if you'd like to hear more from us, don't forget about the weekly Nucleus Investment Insights podcast that goes live at 12.30 uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time every week on Thursdays. Um, thanks to my producer, Jaden Stent, for his work today and on all the episodes. And finally, if you know anyone who'd get something out of today's episode, let them know about it, share with a friend, uh, and help our show grow. Thanks for uh, tuning in for myself and the team, and we look forward to catching you at the next one. Cheers. <laughs>